Hi there and welcome to another Careers in Health podcast. My name is Todd Fraser. Joining me today is Dr. Stuart Collins. Stuart is a urologist who is based at the Sunshine Coast University Private Hospital in Queensland, Australia. Stuart, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Um, what was it about urology that initially caught your attention? Well, it was something that was not really on my radar until I actually did a PHO job in it. Um, I always thought I'd do ear, nose and throat, but then once I had children, the thought of operating on children was not something that I wanted to do anymore. And I did a, um, begrudgingly did a, uh, a PHO job in it. And within about four weeks, I thought this is great. The, the on-call was okay. You're working with a lot of technology and, uh, vastly the people were nice the patient cohort were lovely as well so yeah in the end it uh, changed my mind and uh, I pursued a career in it. What does a urologist do on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Essentially we we spend our time consulting uh, and operating minds about half-half consultations old and new uh, and then obviously operating uh, mainly I guess on men but uh, I look after uh, issues with uh, prostate, kidney, uh, both cancerous and functional issues, uh, kidney stones, uh, people with urinary tract infections. Uh, so it's a nice specialty in that there's still quite a bit of medicine. Uh, it's not all surgery. Do you find the balance of the um, consulting and the operating satisfying? It is, yeah. I, I, I um, you know, obviously to do any operating, uh, you need to consult and uh, in different specialties, you know, there's a, a percentage of what we call conversion, I guess. And in urology, it's probably one in three and one in four patients need an operation. So for a surgical specialty, it's it's nowhere near as high, uh, which means that, you know, you're still thinking uh, a little bit more about the patient and uh, in medical terms rather than just what can surgery afford them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do enjoy that, uh, that balancing act and I enjoy the fact that not every one person is the same. There's no one prostate cancer that fits all the bills. You have to think about a lot of different issues with you know patient factors clinical factors that come into what your diagnosis and what your prognosis and treatment options are is the the type of surgery that you do a, a highly technical specialty it is yeah we we do a lot of uh, quite finicky surgery I'd, I'd call it um i'm involved in robotic surgery uh, which took you know obviously quite a long time to get my head around but that that type of cutting edge uh, laparoscopic surgery I've always found very interesting right from the get-go uh, we also use quite a lot of uh, lasers in our um, treatment options as well uh, very small scopes a lot of wires uh, you know it is quite finicky and then you do quite a bit of open operating as well so you do get the best of both worlds there Tell us about the robotic surgery. I mean, I would imagine that would grab any med student or junior doctor's attention. Well, look, I, I first became involved in that in um, when I was a PHO and I did some research about three-dimensional um, training and then, uh, and then going on to three-dimensional uh, operating. Uh, and, um, yeah, the, the beautiful thing about the robotic suite, I guess, is that it affords you three-dimensional views. Traditional laparoscopic surgery is very 2D, uh, so with the with the 3D, the ability to be able to see structures, judge depths, uh, and uh, afford the patient a much more clinical, um, uh, I guess, um, um, stroke of the knife, so to speak, mm. is uh, is really good. And anyone who puts their head in the 
in the actual robotic machine and sees what we see, you know, is actually quite impressed by the view. Yeah, I'm sure. Have you noticed in the time that you've been doing urology that the specialty has changed significantly? Well, I, I guess the, the only real, the, the major advance is obviously the technological side of things. So um, the advent of smaller scopes, uh, scopes that can get right up to kidneys, um, laser fibres, you know, we use holmium laser fibres for kidney stones and, you know, they are 0.27 of a millimetre in size. So wow. we're talking tiny little um, uh, little laser fibres. But then obviously the robotics and the visual system um, continues to uh, get better and better as well. So, yeah, that, I guess there hasn't been any massive breakthroughs because when I came on the scene, the robotics was already there, but they've just refined it. And the, the latest offering is uh, is pretty impressive. I don't see how they can get any better, to be honest. Yeah. What does the training involve in urology in Australia? Yeah, so in Australia, look, typically there's some non-training um, jobs that you would need to do, uh, including, you know, principal house officer jobs it's i guess it'd be pretty rare to go from sort of internship a couple of years of junior house officer and then into urology uh it was always seen as something that you did a couple of years of general surgery and then you moved over um and uh and they've gone back to that in their training so typically it's five to six years of uh, surgical training but you don't generally get on to that training until you've done probably two to four years of non- training registrar jobs which gives you a lot of uh, access to what the life's like before you choose to sign on yeah um it's got a reputation like many surgical specialties have been pretty hard work while you're in that training phase is that the reality it is very much because um there's not a lot of urology trainees at any one time um, and I remember doing a job down at Tweed Heads Hospital where I was the only trainee. So I did 11 out of 14 days on call uh, for a year. Um, now, you don't always get called in. And the nice thing about urology is that there's not a lot of things that get you out of bed in the middle of the night. A lot of things can be dealt with on the following day. Um, and, but obviously, just putting yourself on call for that amount of time was arduous. Mm. Um, that's probably improved now, but um, you know we, we see a lot more one and two to one and three on call rather than with other some other surgical specialties where it could be one and seven. Um, so the training, the, the the bosses when I went through expected a lot of you. Um, the training was full on, uh, to say the least, and um, difficult from a family perspective, but very rewarding once you came out the other side. Yeah, okay. For people who are thinking about that as a specialty, how do they put themselves in the best position to get one of the fairly limited training positions? Yeah, I would, I would um, I, you know, gone are the days where you just worked hard for the boss and they gave you a glowing report. You really need to have glowing reports from everyone that you've ever worked for, um, even intern and above. Uh, research is obviously still very key and uh, I, I got into research a little bit later on and I probably regret not doing that as an intern. I think certainly uh, your listeners should be starting research from intern onwards when they're not as busy as they get. When you try to start doing research as a registrar where you're already working 60 hours a week, that's problematic. Whereas if you're doing 40 hours a week or 40, 50 hours a week, you probably then can start research. So certainly doing research, doing courses, 
courses, um, and they don't need to be specifically urological, um, doing trauma courses, uh, all those sorts of things, uh, you know, they bode well for a future in neurology. Um, and, and just putting the necessary work in. So there will be times you'll be frustrated. Everyone wants to get onto training straight after your internship. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I think people just need to accept that and that the whole process is going to take 10 years. And that's the way it is. Once you get through that, it's quite rewarding and uh, quite quickly you get busy. Yep. Stuart, there's warts on every frog. What do you not like about your specialty? Are there frustrations? And oh, there are some frustrations. I guess we are um, probably as a specialty, uh, we lock heads a little bit. Um, there's probably some um, uh, some people have a higher opinion of themselves than uh, than others. Uh, there has been some division, and we've saw we saw some division over the robotics. We saw people who are traditionally open, uh, open operators not want to uh, accept robotics and uh, unfortunately they've become a lot less busy and there's been you know quite a bit of hoo-ha about that so uh, look overall um, you know would I do anything different no I wouldn't I love the profession that I'm in absolutely um, the, the training is hard and what we have found of late is a bit of an, a bit of attrition in that regards because people probably aren't quite ready for the demands that they need to do. Um, it has always been known as a very demanding um, specialty and examination-wise, no difference. Um, so if you, you know, I think you need to be, weed out um, whether or not that is what you want in your life. You know, five. I mean, I went through a period when I was sitting my exam, I didn't really see my family for nine months, and that's just the reality of of that specialty. And it's probably not different from any others. But overall, very <laughs> great life when you come through the other side. I mean, I, be, I very very rarely get annoyed now with telephone calls after five o'clock. I very rarely get woken up in the middle of the night. Um, uh, I do what I love. So yeah, I'm very happy. Does urology suit a certain type of person? What what characteristics do you need to succeed? I think you have to have pretty thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, surgeons, you know, it's when you're getting trained, there is, um, look, there's possibly even some bordering on bullying going on there. Um, and, and in this day and age, we're trying to stamp that out as mm. much as possible. But I guess it's just that high expectation. And if you're not ready for that, so I, I would think that doing some uh, some urology terms really is helpful. Learning that your way around a cystoscope, a ureteroscope, uh, you know, uh, any of those minor, I guess, operations. If, if you come onto a training team and the boss sees that you can do that already, you'll you'll gain kudos right from the get go. Um, yeah, I, I certainly think um, if you're not willing to put the time and energy in, and I mean that continues right the way through. Uh, I mean, I still do a lot of hours um, that, you know, that possibly other people aren't doing uh, during the week, but I then quarantine my weekends off, which is nice. So, yeah, I, I, you know, great specialty, um, but, yeah, it's the very tough to, to get through the training. Stuart, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. For more great interviews just like this, download our app by searching for My Osler wherever you get your apps, or visit our website at oslacommunity.com